and turn to Joshua chapter 5. We're going to read that responsibly. David, good to see you tonight. Welcome. Joshua chapter 5. Let our little ones be dismissed for children's Bible time with Mr. Frank. Joshua chapter 5. I'll read verse 1, you read verse 2, we'll read the 15 verses that make up this chapter, a different, different a change in the lives of the children of Israel. <clears throat> preparing for battle, preparing for battle. And it came to pass when all the kings of the Amorites, which are on the side of Jordan westward, and all the kings of the Canaanites, which were by the sea, heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of Jordan from before the children of Israel until they were passed over, that their heart melted. Neither was their spirit in them any more because of the children of Israel. At that time, the Lord said unto Joshua, Make thee sharp knives and circumcise again the children of Israel the second time. And Joshua made him sharp knives and circumcised the children of Israel at the hill of the foreskins. And this is the cause why Joshua did circumcise all the people that came out of Egypt that were males, even all the men of war, died in the wilderness by the way after they came out of Egypt. Now all the people that came out were circumcised, but all the people that were born in the wilderness by the way as they came forth out of Egypt, them they had not circumcised. For the children of Israel walked forty years of the wilderness till the people that were men of war, which came out of Egypt, were consumed because they obeyed not the voice of the Lord, unto whom the Lord sware that he would not show them the land which the Lord sware unto their fathers that he would give us a land that floweth with milk and honey. And their children, whom he raised up in their stead, them Joshua circumcised, for they were uncircumcised, because they had not circumcised them by the way. And it came to pass, when they had done circumcising all the people, that they abode in their places in the camp till they were whole. And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day have I rolled away the reproach of Egypt from off you. Wherefore, the name of the place is called Gilgal unto this day. And the children of Israel encamped in Gilgal and kept the Passover on the fourteenth day of the month. Even And they did eat of the old corn of the land on the morrow after the Passover, unleavened cakes and parched corn in the selfsame day. And the manna ceased on the morrow. After that, they had eaten of the old corn of the land. Neither had the children of Israel manna any more. But they did eat of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, there stood a man over against him with a sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or against or for our adversaries? And he said, Nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, why saith my Lord unto his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy, loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place whereon thou standeth is holy. And Joshua did so. Father, I pray that you speak to our hearts this evening. May we be challenged. 
We pray in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Forty years ago, the children of Israel left the land of Egypt. On their departure, the Lord did mighty works on their behalf. Caitlin, I feel cold. And if I'm cold standing up with a suit on, I suspect there are other people that are probably cold as well. The nations heard what they had done, and they were fearful. But the children of Israel, instead of going and claiming the land of God, of that, that God had given them, sent in twelve spies. We know what happened. Twelve men went to spy on Canaan. Ten came back with an evil report. Two men said, we can do it, Joshua and Caleb. Ten men said, it can't be done, which caused the children of Israel to react in fear. And they did not claim the land. Now we're 40 years later. Uh, During that time, we know from Rahab that the people of the land of Canaan were absolutely fearful of the children of Israel because of what God had done. The children of Israel, the ten spies said, we can't take the land because they're going to destroy us. They are more powerful. We are as grasshoppers in their sight. And so they did not go forward. Now here we are 40 years later, and we're seeing the same thing in verse 1. They are fearful because they have heard. Now some of them have seen, though we talked about last week, that the waters were pushed up to the cities on either side. And those guys got to see firsthand what God is about to do. The rest of them heard it. And as a result, verse 1, their heart melted. Not only did their heart melt, but but neither was their spirit in them anymore because of the children of Israel. A massive group of people crossed, and the word has gotten out. So these nations, they have seen the waters push back, the, the, the cities on either side. The nations have heard that the Israelites are coming, and what is their response? Their response is not what it should be. Their response ought to be repentance. You see God coming your way, that might be a good time to hit the altar and say, Lord, I'll take a little mercy, but not them. Uh, They go inside and they shut up the gates. We know from Rahab that they shut up the city. They secured it. Uh, They think that they're safe in their military might, in uh, in their walls, in their defenses. But they are not. You would think that if you saw God back up these waters in a miraculous fashion and bring over an army that is of incredible size in front of you, uh, that you would uh, send out an ambassador and say, hey, let's let's talk. Let's talk peace. But uh, no, no. So uh, you have a massive group of people. And they are coming across. You have nations that see it, that don't think it's time to repent. Uh, They don't think it's time to close up shop. Uh, But do you think it's time to take over? So we have, uh, we're going into the land. We're we're going to uh, go against Jericho. Do we have a large army? Check. Uh, Do we have a terrified enemy? Check. Uh, Is it time to go forward? Uh, We would say yes, absolutely. Uh, But God is never in a hurry. 
And so God says, no, it is not time to go forward. It is time to make spiritual preparations. It's time to prepare for battle. This chapter is a preparation for battle chapter. And I'm going to encourage you to do that this evening. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, I pray that you would speak to our hearts this evening, uh, that you would help us to prepare uh, for battle, that you'd help us to be uh, ready to go forward, that we would not trust in our might, that we would not trust in our superior intellect, that we would not trust in our, uh, our wisdom or ability, our military might or mindset, that we might make sure that we are inwardly prepared this evening uh, for what is coming ahead. But we don't know. Israel does not know exactly what you're going to do or how you're going to do it. They are launching out into the unknown, and we do that every day, launch out into the unknown. Uh, Father, help us tonight to prepare for what we're going to encounter this week as we go to battle for, for you, for right. Father, for that person that does not know you as their Savior, I pray that tonight they'd embrace salvation. We'll praise you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Omitting the insignificant details. Number one mistake people make is omitting the insignificant details. Now, I have, you can't see this. In my outline, I have taken in and I have put it in parentheses. And I'll tell you what, I'm just going to take my pen and I'm going to cross it out right now because when it comes to things of the Lord, there is no such thing as an insignificant detail. It is a significant detail that they have left out. <clears throat> Omitting the significant details is going to cause us to miss the blessings and the help of God. Who is God going to bless? You would think when they left Egypt, of course, God, again, God has done great works. He's moved the water of the Red Sea on their behalf and they are going forward. Uh, lots of good things are happening. Uh, they are excited but, uh, on the outside. Uh, they are prepared on the outside. Uh, they, uh, they are circumcised on the outside, but they are not prepared inwardly. They have not circumcised their heart. They have not gotten rid of, of, of the flesh that is going to drag them down. And what is that? Uh, bad attitude, angry, complaining, uh, accusing God, uh, wish we could go back to Egypt a kind of an attitude. I wish I could go back to the world. Why do I have to uh, deal with this? Why do we have to go forward? God, why isn't God giving us water? Why isn't God giving us food? Why is God giving us this food? And uh, again, on the outside, you would have looked and said, uh, this, this is going to be good. But God doesn't look on the outside. God looks on the heart. And you can look at America this evening and say, uh, look at our missiles. And look at our rockets. And look at our warships. Um, but you'd be foolish because God doesn't look there. God looks on the heart. So, girls, this morning, I had to look over here several times, and some of you weren't paying attention to me. So, uh, this evening, make sure you keep your eyes up uh, this way. That would be helpful. 
uh, to me. <clears throat> uh, so uh, they're not prepared on the inward. That inward preparation. Why? Because they're rebels. They're rebels in their heart. And they have wandered 40, 40 years in the wilderness, but they're rebels. And in the text this evening, uh, we know that they are rebels. Uh, verse 6 says, they obeyed not the voice of the Lord. They weren't obeying God's voice. And so they are, they are, you would say, you, again, you would look at them and you would say they are prepared externally, but we know from the text they are not prepared inwardly. And that is manifest because not only are they prepared, unprepared internally, but they have failed to prepare their children either way. Their children are not prepared on the outside or the inside. And so uh, God says, hey, um, again, large army, check. A fearful enemy, check. Ready to go? Not so fast. We've got to prepare. You've got to prepare your heart if you're going to do anything for God. So what, they're going to, what are they going to do? Uh, they need to prepare both outwardly and inwardly. They need to renew the covenant. And so I ask you this evening, when's the last time you renewed your covenant with the Lord? When's the last time you got on your knees before the Lord and said, hey, I'm still on board. I'm still here. I am still committed. I'm, uh, you show me something in my life that's not right, and I'll make it right. When's the last time you did that? It'd be good to do that every single day. But some people go a lifetime, and they'll do it at a revival service or a camp meeting or a summer meeting. But they go week after week after week after week in between, and they are not inwardly prepared for the battle that they face every single day. Hold your finger here in Joshua chapter 5, and what's the big deal? Uh, what, what, what piece of the flesh needs to be removed? Look, at, look with me to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians... Colossians, the third chapter. Again, a familiar passage, especially these first several verses. We looked at them Wednesday evening. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. Look down, look down at verse 5. Mortify, therefore, your members. Say, preacher, what on the inside, uh, what, what on the outside needs to be cut away? Uh, fornication, this is a hard statement to make, but it is estimated that 87% of the U.S. population There are 100 people in the room tonight. 87 people in the room tonight will view an immoral website in the next 30 days and do so every 30 days. And it should not be any surprise to us that the Lord puts fornication at the number one spot on the list. We're not going to win the battle with 13 people engaging, 13 people out of every 100 people engaging the enemy. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, 
You say, evil concupiscence. What is that? Rick and I have talked about that recently. To arouse the desires in another that cannot be righteously fulfilled outside of marriage. That's evil concupiscence. And that's why Paul said to the church at Corinth, it's good for a man not to touch a woman. You raise the desires in someone else that is not your wife, not your husband. And God still does not smile on that. We may be in a society that says live and let live, but God, God has never said that. And He never will. Never will. And covetousness, which is idolatry, in case you didn't know, according to verse 5. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on us on the children of disobedience. It should be in the past, verse 7, in which ye also walked some time when ye lived in them, but now put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filled with communication out of your mouth. Why not? <laughs> Just tell the truth. One to another. Seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge. There are some Christians that lie so regularly that the first words out of their mouth are always a lie. And it's a shame when your family, when your pastor, when your husband, when your wife can't trust you with the truth because they know the first words out of your mouth are going to be a lie. And God says, put it off. If you're going to win the battle this week against the flesh, there are certain things you need to put aside. Why is that? Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and read a passage there. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 1, Now I, Paul, myself beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence am base among you, being absent and bold toward you, but I beseech you that I may not be bold when I am present with that confidence wherewith I think to be bold against some, which think of us as if we walked according to the, uh, according to the flesh. But though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. And here's the thing, you're going to go to battle this week, and you think, well, I'm, I'm strong. I'm going to be able to handle that. No, our, inward. It's an inward preparation. Verse 4, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds, enabling you, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Look at me, look at me, Second Corinthians chapter six. Second Corinthians chapter six. Verse seventeen. It's still a command, still in the Bible. This is not just uh, Old Testament Joshua chapter five kind of stuff. God still says, Wherefore come out from among them, verse seventeen, wherefore come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Say, preacher, what's the big deal? Now, I just ask you, is it time for spiritual surgery? I mean, this week, we're going to leave here tonight. This is our rallying time. But uh, tomorrow morning, the alarm's going to go off, and you're going to go into the workplace, into the school, into the store, into you're going to go behind enemy lines. You're going to, you're going to meet the enemy face to face tomorrow. Are you spiritually prepared? Or is it time to deal with 
the flesh. Find it. Find it out. Look through the list. And cut it out. Remove it. But many a Christian says, no, 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 not me. No, 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 no. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna cut my hair. I'm not gonna dress modestly. I'm gonna do what I want, when I want, how I want, and when I want. And God's just gonna have to bless me. And I say, no, no, He's not. Forty years in the wilderness, God destroyed them and said, "You will not see the land." Listen, you will. If you're gonna live in rebellion, you will not see the land. You will not. Don't expect spiritual victory. Don't expect. To conquer the flesh. Don't expect to lead your family in a godly direction if you're not walking there yourself. Don't expect it. You must prepare. Staff Sergeant Omar Balva. Thursday, Israel lost his life. He was a dual citizen, dual American citizen, dual Israeli citizen. He was a battalion tank commander. 92, 9203, how do you even say that? 9203rd, Corey, help me. 9203RD. I don't know. He says he's not from Israel. <laughs> I can get the 203rd, but the 9203rd, maybe that's how they say it. Uh, anyways, battalion. Uh, Alexand- Alexandronia uh, Brigade. Again, dual American citizenship. He was 22 years of age. And so that came out yesterday on the news, and I, and, I, and I saw that, and I immediately stopped because I'm, I'm studying for the message from uh, preparing for battle. And, and here's a man, a young man, 22 years of age, that had prepared for battle, and on the day of battle lost his life. And I asked myself the question, what would cause a 22-year-old man with dual citizenship who could have stayed in America, he could have stayed here, and he could have been safe? But he left here on purpose, bought a ticket, went to Israel, went to his brigade and said, I'm, I'm ready to stand with my, with my country and with my kinsmen and I'm ready to go to battle. I'm ready to give my life, if necessary, for the cause of freedom and the people of Israel. Twenty-two years of age, because there was a cause bigger than himself. I'm asking you to consider tonight that the cause of reaching the world for Christ, conquering Canaan, doing battle, is bigger than you and I. We read the statistics this morning of the people across America who have gotten involved in taking the battle to the enemy. Now, this is not all the Christians in America. Across America, uh, in this campaign, and and certainly there are churches that aren't participating, 3,376 people participated. And that's that's an extraordinary number. But not really when you consider how many Christians there are in America. 120,723 gospel tracts distributed hand-in-hand. And you think, man, that's, that's an incredible number. And it is good. And it is great, but not compared to the number of Christians that there are across America. This year, and three separate weekends, one 
1,622,362 tracts distributed, 120,000 hand-to-hand, 105,000 placed in home, uh, placed on homes or placed in places. But not comparison to how many Christians. So why are there Christians that aren't involved in the battle? Because they haven't prepared. Not prepared inwardly. Haven't gotten rid of the flesh. You can't do spiritual battle if you're not prepared on the inside. You can't do it. What are we doing? We are omitting the significant details. And you, you should write insignificant in your outline. You should do what I have done. You should circle that and cross it out. Because when it comes to spiritual things, there is, not, there is no such thing as insignificant. And going back to Joshua chapter 5. Not only have, is God requiring them to take care of the details, the significant details. But he's asking them to confirm their confidence in the Lord. No, no Lord, that, that doesn't make sense. Uh, we're about to go to battle. And uh, this, is, this is not a good time for this. Can't we, can't we do this like uh, late later? No. No. I'm going to do it tonight. Do it now. Time of testing. Times of testing. Times of victory. And they've just come across a great victory. They've come across the Jordan River on dry ground. And that's pretty exciting. I imagine they're on an adrenaline high right now. And times of victory are often followed by times of great temptation. And so God is telling them, I want you to take care of this spiritual matter, this inward matter, and this, these outward matters that are going to drag you down, that are going to cause you to do the same thing, make the same mistakes that your moms and dads made, that are going to cause you not to have victory just like your mom and dad did. Now, uh, we could have you raise your hand this evening and say, how many of you have moms and dads that are not experiencing spiritual victory? And there would be hands that went up all over the room. And it's interesting that young people and older people recognize, hey, my, my mom and dad are not living in spiritual victory. Matter of fact, my mom and dad could be here tonight, but they're not. Now, my mom and dad could be doing the right thing tonight, but, but they're not. But they're not here. But you're here. You, you can blame what you do or what you're not doing based on the fact that, well, my parents didn't do it, so I'm not going to do it. But you're not going to have spiritual victory. That, that doesn't make any sense to me. Why don't you tonight decide that you're going to have spiritual victory and you're going to take care of the little things that have dragged down your mom and dad? Why don't you decide right now that your life and the life of your children is going to be different. Because someday you're going to be 95 years of age and you're going to be glad that you did. Again, that was my conversation with my dad last night on the phone. He said, you know what? Uh, he said, 90, 95% of my family is in church serving the Lord today. And then he said, I'm grieved for the 5%. I'm grieved for the 5%. Many of us won't be able to stand up and say, 90% of my family, 95% of my family is serving the Lord. 95% is a great percentage, but Dad will tell you that's not enough. And he prays for that part of the family. 
What is it going to take for us to get serious about dealing with the inside and the outside? It takes both. God is able. Great victories are breeding grounds for pride. It is important to believe that we are clean spiritually. It is important that we walk faithfully. Those things are important. Now, God is able to provide. We know that uh, from the book of Ruth. Uh, see that this morning. Israel, Daniel, Joseph. But a very clear example of God being able to bring you down a peg or two is, is Jonah. Wouldn't that be neat tonight if all of a sudden the, the floor opened up and a whale came in here and grabbed one or two of us? I think that would get the attention of the rest of us. I think that would get my attention. Those that walk in pride, He is able to abase. God is able to knock us down a peg or two. He's able to take care of me during the difficult times of life. And He is able to make my life difficult. Walk by faith. So the question, are you walking in faith tonight or are you wallowing in self-pity? Are you walking in faith tonight? Do you have the ability to say, I believe that God would have me go forward in His army be clean on the outside, clean on the inside, and do battle with the enemy. Do you believe there is a cause bigger than, your, than yourself? Are you ready to up and say, Lord, here am I. Send me. I'm willing to go into harm's way. Even give my own life. That means taking the gospel to Myanmar or India or Africa or Russia. We need young men. Tonight, who will stand up and say, here am I, send me. And we'll take the time tonight to prepare. I'm challenging you to do that. Seattle defensive back Jamal Adams was in trouble this week. Seattle was playing and there was a play and one of the players got hit. Uh, and it was a head hit. And the play was over and they were lined up on the line and all of a sudden the, the officials blew the whistle and there was no flag thrown. Uh, but they went over to the cameras and they were doing a replay. What are, what are you looking at? There's no flag. There's no challenge. What are you looking at? Well, the NFL, National Football League, has a concussion protocol. And so the officials went and looked at the screen to see if he had indeed taken a headshot and the player had. And so they stopped. They went to the player and said, I'm sorry, you've got to go talk to the doctor and they're going to do an evaluation, the concussion doctor. And they're going to do an evaluation on you to see whether uh, you need to take a break or not. Well, uh, Seattle defensive back Jamal Adams uh, decided, apparently he got a little physical, maybe pushed the doctor. Uh, but he definitely, they said physical and verbal. He definitely gave the doctor some choice words about, uh, he's fine, leave him alone, we got a game to win, stay out of our business kind of thing. And so they fined him $5,000 for his comments. What was interesting is the banter of the people who talked about that afterwards. And one guy said this I thought was interesting. You know what? The NFL football players have forgotten that they're entertainers. 
From time to time in my life, I've needed a doctor. From time to time in my life, I've needed a teacher. From time to time in my life, I need a farmer or a mechanic. But I have never needed an NFL player. Never. And I thought, I really like that. There have been times in my life when I've needed God. Is there a time in your life when you need the Lord? Have you got to the point in your life yet where you realize, you know, there are a lot of things I can live without, but I cannot leave with, I cannot live without God and God's presence and God's power. I just can't. That is unsatisfactory. Have you, have you arrived at that point yet? Or are we still saying, I got to find out my own, stay out of my business. I got work to do. And we tell God to stay away. Step back. I don't need evaluation. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to evaluate from Corinthians. I'm not going to evaluate from Colossians. I'm not going to, I'm not going to evaluate from Joshua. I'm just not going to do it. Stay out of my business. God has the ability to swallow you up tonight. Or He has the ability to empower you. What do we need? I'll tell you what. You do not need a cell phone. You think you do. But you don't. You don't need a data plan. (laughs) I live without one. You could too. You don't need Netflix. Or social media. It really doesn't matter who likes you or dislikes you on Facebook. Really doesn't matter. Joshua chapter 5, it really does matter what God thinks. And what is God saying to the children of Israel in Joshua chapter 5? Saying, you've got a big army, but you need my power more than that. You've got good looks, but you need my power more than that. You've got good energy, but you need my power more than that. You've got youth, but you need God's power more than that. Because there is a cause bigger than you, if you'll embrace it. And there is a God that will give you His power to conquer. But it's only going to be by His rules. You need the Lord. Verse 9 is an interesting verse. And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day have I rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. What was the reproach of Egypt? Well, I think of two instances that come immediately to mind. Exodus chapter 32, Moses was on the mountain with being given the Ten Commandments, and the children of Israel were making a golden calf. Uh, Aaron was helping them. You remember the gold just kind of jumped in the fire and threw it in the fire, and a golden calf jumped out? You remember, your kids have brought home some real wild stories, uh, lies. And uh, Aaron, an adult, a leader, uh, just just told a big fat whopper of a lie. It brought great reproach. Israel worshipped as God. A, an incredible display of ignorance. What are you worshiping? That is not God. It is still an incredible display of ignorance. The second example I remember that came to mind is Numbers chapter 14. Again, the 12 spies, 10, 10 came back with an evil report. They, did, they lacked the faith or just outright refused to enter the promised land because they let fear drive them rather than faith. 
God said he was going to destroy Israel. And Moses interceded on their behalf. And God is now ready to work again. Here we are, October 2023, and God is still tonight ready to work in the lives of people who are prepared inwardly and outwardly. Are you ready to do that? Or do you want to continue to wander in the wilderness of sin? I rolled away the reproach. What does that mean? That past is no longer an issue. When you come to the Lord and you pour your heart out at the altar and you leave it there, your past is not an issue. Uh, We have failed the Lord. We failed Him before salvation. We have failed Him since salvation. That stab of self-condemnation, conviction, is not a bad thing. It is high time. It is high time tonight to leave those things right here. To leave those burdens at the cross. And walk out those doors in spiritual victory this evening and conquer Canaan. You're going to face Canaan tomorrow. Are you ready to conquer? Bed bugs. Let's talk about bed bugs. Not a terrible thing. Get bitten, eaten up. You think about that in third world countries. Waterloo, Iowa. Walnut Court Senior Apartments have been fighting the bedbug battle since 2018. Those four people, those four senior citizens, have gotten no help. They have bites and rashes and anxiety. What do they need? They need abatement! And they have suffered, according to the article. They have loss. They have shame. But sin is worse than any bed bug problem. It brings loss. It brings shame. And what is needed is abatement. It's called repentance. Now you can take the position of Jericho and lock your doors and secure your walls and say, I'm safe in here. God's not going to get me. But you would be foolish to do that. That's what the unsaved world crowd does. But Joshua chapter 5 tells us, That young people who are tired of the shame and lack of spirituality of their predecessors deal with the heart and get matters right on the inside and the outside. So have we reached that point yet where the shame and the horror of sin says, God, I'm ready. To conquer Canaan. But I know I can't go out those doors and do that without your help. So here's the question. Are you ready to conquer your Canaan tonight? And I made a list. This is it. We're going to close. Are you ready? This is invitation. Are you ready to conquer Canaan this evening? Number one, not if there's sin in your life. Number two, not if there's rebellion in your heart. Number three, not if there is uncontrolled appetites for the things of the world.
Number four, not if your heart is filled with doubt and fear. Number five, not if you've forgotten where the Lord has brought you from. Number six, not if you, not if you, not if you, instead of Jesus, is in control of your life. Do you want the victory? Do you bow your heads and close your eyes? If you want the victory, why not deal with those things in your life that keep you from having it? You can leave this building this evening and conquer Canaan. Or you can spend another generation, 40 years, and waste your life. I'm challenging you tonight, this evening, Joshua chapter 5, to prepare for battle. You're here this evening. You do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Say, preacher, I'm here tonight. I do not know Christ, but I'm convicted. One lady came and talked to me after the service this morning. Said, I, I, I need to talk to you about salvation. Happy to do that. You don't have to walk an aisle. You don't have to raise your hand. But that's a question you must answer in your heart. You saved or not saved? Preacher, I'm not saved. Slip your hand up. Hold it up. Hold it up high. I'll pray for you. No, no shame admitting you need salvation. That's the first step. And Christian, messages for you. Stand to our feet as our heads bowed, the piano's playing, the altar is open. Well, somebody pray for you, we'll be glad to do that. You obey as God speaks.